Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Everyone ready? You excited? Come on, do you bring a Bible today? Anyone, does anyone bring a Bible with you? I'm talking like an analog paper, maybe a little bit of leather in there. If you got a Bible, could you just lift it up right here? If you got one of these? All right. All right. How many people have a, have a phone? You got a phone with you? Lift your phone up in the air. Come on. The amazing thing about a phone is you got the Bible in every translation and a notes app there. The crazy thing about your phone, you also got Instagram on there. I want to invite you to close, close down the gram, open up the Bible to the book of Psalm chapter 16, we're going to read uh, this passage of Scripture together, and now I want to make a few observations that I think will help your life and certainly will help mine as well. Psalm chapter 16, uh, if you're looking for Psalm, you're like, man, I, I'm having a hard time finding it. I'm starting with an S. It's a crazy word. starts with a P. It's like this silent P. I don't know. Psalms. P-S-A-L-M. You're searching it out on your phone. Psalm chapter 16. Here we go. This is a, a poem written by a man named David who was king in uh, ancient Israel. says this, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom all is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion. You are my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Come on, can someone say, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God, I pray right now you would you would make powerful the thoughts from this word. That words and ideas that are only mine would be quickly and easily forgotten and the truth of your word will remain in our hearts. Pray, Lord, as we turn our attention to you and we give you our devotion in these moments, that you wouldn't let leave anyone feeling as though, man, that wasn't for me. But somehow you would use these ancient words in this poem to speak to our present time and present situation. We love you. We honor you. We thank you that you're here in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Come on, can you put your hands together for Neto? Thank Neto. Amazing. Amazing. If you're taking notes today, really simple message I want to share, some thoughts from this Psalm, chapter 16. Uh, the title of today's message is Triple A. Triple A. If you're writing it down, just write that, triple A. Earlier this week, I had some friends uh, visiting from out of town. They were from Miami, Florida, and they said, when we get to town, if we could, we just want to experience something that, that feels unique to us. 
My like, well, that's a, a kind of a difficult thing to know what might feel unique to a different person. I said, well, like, what kind of experience are you hoping hoping to have? And they said, well, something that we wouldn't be able to see in Miami. And I'm thinking, okay, Florida, gators. No, you can't see gators here. You know, uh, like, uh, like a lot of uh, buffets. You don't see as many buffets here as you might see in Florida. A lot of bad Canadian drivers. We do have that here. But uh, what, what, what else could we see that maybe foreign? I said, well, would you like to do, like, we could go up to the suspension bridges, the Capilano suspension bridges, see something that you wouldn't typically see in, in Florida. It's got big trees and, you know, rivers and mountains, and we can walk through the treetops. How many people have ever done the Capilano suspension bridge? Can you just raise your hand? It's amazing. It's really close. Not, not a lot of us have gone. I had actually never been before. I saw, I'd never been. I had never been. And, uh, and so isn't it amazing sometimes you miss the things in your own backyard? You go somewhere else, you see all the stuff, and then it's anyway. So we got to the Capilano Suspension Bridge. I went to pay, realized probably why I've never come before. And, uh, and then they said, hey, it, are, are you local? I said, yeah, I'm local. They said, great, if you're local, then, then this one-time entry fee is now your annual pass. So I'm definitely going to go again sometime in the next 12 months. And then they said, hey, they just started going, here's all the different ways you can get perks, all the different ways that you could take advantage of, of a benefit. And then they came to this question, do you or any of the people in your party have AAA service? And I said, I, like, I'm not American, you know? AAA, it's like the American Automobile Association. I'm like, no, nah, I, I, I don't have AAA. They're like, oh, man, because if you had AAA, you would get a cheaper entrance into the Capilano Suspension Bridge. Now, that's kind of interesting. You know AAA, the American Automotive Association, it started in 1902 when a group of car owners in the city of Chicago got together and said, you know what we're missing in this city? Good roads. Like, we bought a car, but there's not enough roads to drive our cars on. We want to show off our cars to other people, but the roads are not sufficient for our cars. What if we got together as a group, an association, if you will, of people who own cars, and we, we came up with plans on how to make better roads? So in 1902, they got together, and they, they began to make better roads in Chicago. I want to imagine and guess that at that point in time, there wasn't anyone in the group who's like, wait a second, but, but have you ever heard of the Capilano Suspension Bridge? Because we should also not only make roads, but give deals in Capilano. And then a couple of years later, they began to make roadmaps of North America because more and more people were driving cars. And they're like, you know what would help people? Not just roads, but maps of where the roads are so that they can find all the nice roads with the cars that they have that they want to show off to each other. You know the roads we advocated for? Let's show people where they are. So they began to put out maps. Then a few years later, they said, you know, when people go on these roads that we've advocated to build so they can show off the cars that they have, they get a little ways down the road and they realize it's been a long drive on this new road as I'm showing off the car I have. And so one by one, hotels have started to pop up across these roads. Why don't we tell people not only where the roads are, but where the hotels are so that when they plan trips to go on the roads to show off their cars to other people who have cars that are on the roads, they can know where to stay for the night. And then a couple of years later, they got together. They said, you know what's happening right now when people are on the roads? that we help build so they could show off their cars and then they stay at the hotel. Sometimes they're tired when they get up. And then, then when they, they get back to, to drive, they, they have accidents. So I think what we need to do is begin to train people 
around some better practices on these new roads because cars are getting faster and more robust. And so the original cars we built roads for and the original roads for those cars, which are now obsolete, we've built bigger roads that have faster speed limits for faster cars. We should begin to train people. And so they put out educational information to help young drivers know how to drive. And then in the years to come, they they began to lobby to the government for various road-related issues, uh, drunk driving and how to transport soldiers' places during wars and how to, how to educate and train people who are in their elder years to make sure that they can continue to, to be mobile longer. And then eventually they stumbled across what maybe you and I would know as much of their purpose, which is helping people who have broken down, give them a tow, help them with repairs, bring them some fuel if they've run out of fuel on the side of the road, and give people deals to the Capilano suspension bridge. Isn't that amazing that, that this one membership actually brings with it more advantage than ever could have been possibly imagined? You know, I want to propose to you and I today that through this psalm, there are, that there, there's a similar thing at work. Like we think worship to God, some might qualify it as a duty they have. It's the thing I should do. I mean, Jesus saved me after all. I ought to get together, find a drummer, find a guitarist, find a keyboardist, and sing some songs. Some worship because you, you find it more enjoyable than karaoke. You're like, I don't get to use my voice very often. I don't like the awkwardness of karaoke, but it's nice to be together and sing some songs. Some worship because they've had this revelation of, of what God has done for them, and it's like this gratitude thing that bubbles up on the inside of them. People worship for a lot of different reasons. I, I would imagine that probably some worship strictly out of routine. They're like, oh, yeah, I know this one. And they, they show up in church, and they're like, you know what I'm going to do? I, I like to sing. I prefer to sing two songs, not four. So I'm just going to grab a coffee on the way in, and then I'll sing two. You following me? Different reasons we worship. But I want to propose to you that, that there are actually so many more benefits to worship than you could have imagined. There are a lot more benefits. In a similar way to becoming a member of the American Automobile Association somehow is giving you deals at suspension bridges and doing all these different things, there are more advantages to worship than perhaps you and I have, have understood. Today I want to give you three A's from this passage of Scripture, okay? Triple A. Number one. First A, asking. Asking. Look at the very first statement in this chapter. It says this, keep me safe, my God. Keep me safe, my God. What, what a wonderful ask. What a wonderful petition. What a, what a wonderful and, and powerful thing to rely upon the Lord for safety. Say, I love that in this context, I have no idea what it is that David might need safety from at this point in time. Now, here's what I will tell you, that David, if you look at a little bit of the history of his life, he had a lot of different reasons to need some safety. He was the youngest of seven brothers. Maybe this was one day when he was like in a wrestling match. You know, they were all in their tidy whities in wrestling, and he's the smallest of them all, and he's on the bottom of the dog pile. He's like, God, someone give me paper. I got a poem I need to write. Keep me safe, oh God. You know? He's like, his brother Eliab was, was getting, getting ready to put him in like a, a, a half Nelson. He's like, no, keep me safe. I don't know. We know that he was a shepherd and that at times he had altercations with, with lions and bears. Maybe at one point in time, he, he was just journaling, you know, watching the sheep and doodling, 
drawing houses and flowers. And then he saw a lion coming across. He's like, oh, I have a tune running through my head. This is going to be a good song later. God, keep me safe. Okay, here I go. I'll come back. And he went and he actually like killed lions and bears to protect his sheep. We don't know. Maybe this was uh, a poem that he wrote on his way to the battlefront. His brothers were, were fighting in a battle against a, a group of people called the Philistines. They had it out for his, his family, his tribe, his people. And on his way to the front lines, it's a crazy story. His dad's like, hey, can you make sure you like, bring the boys, like, bring your brothers some cheese? <laughs> Such a random thing. It's like your brothers probably are like, craving some cheese as they're out in war. Bring them some like, cheese and bread and different things. So he had a charcuterie board ready. He was on his way to the front of the battle lines. Maybe he felt a little intimidated. He's like, oh, God, keep me safe. Maybe it was when he actually saw Goliath walk out on the, the field and, and, and make this statement in battle that if any one of you is brave enough, come here and I'm going to feed you to the birds. And David looked around as there was thousands of, of eligible soldiers and nobody, nobody took the challenge. In fact, they all melted in fear. And he said, well, I'll go. I'll do that thing. But perhaps on his way to battle, as he had five smooth stones and a stick, he's like, oh, God, keep me safe. Maybe this was, was after the, the prophet Samuel anointed David king. He said, David, your dad's not the king, and typically fathers would pass kingship down to their sons. I just want you to know you're God's chosen one. You're the next one. And when the present king heard about it, he didn't like it very much. In fact, over and over, he had planned assassinations of David. He would call David, he'd be like, hey, David, you're such a great musician. Can you bring your harp? Just play some tunes. I love, he's like, can you come be the DJ at my party? Essentially, he's saying. And then while at the party, Herod would come up with ways to try to kill him. Maybe David on his way to his gig, he, he's got his harp. He's like, oh man, God, keep me safe. Perhaps this was after David became king and various enemies came against him. Maybe this was when his son Absalom tried to take the kingship from him and he actually got a, a riot, started a revolt against his dad and kicked him out of the palace for a while before he was restored. I don't know. But all I do know is that in one quick little statement, David asks God to be his sufficiency. You know, this to me is a lot what prayer sounds like. Keep me safe, God. I love that day. Like, it's not like I know what I need to do. I need to plan a prayer meeting. I need to, I need to, you know, really think and articulate all the things I need from God. It's this pretty, like, like declarative, overarching reality. God, safety comes from you. You ever heard the statement in church when you got saved? Has anyone ever said that? Hey, man, I got saved, and the year was 1985. I got saved. You've heard that before? Or someone's like, Hey, when when did you first come to Christ? And they use the word salvation. See, God is our champion. God is our victorious one. God is our judge. Like he's the one who, who goes before us and makes it possible for you and I to live in victory. Do you know that like victory does not come simply to those who, who are more impressive on the outside? The Bible says this, man might look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Victory doesn't come to the one who works harder. Like it might be true in business, but when it comes to salvation, Victory comes simply to the ones who God has granted by grace salvation. And the Bible says this, he so loved the world that he granted that grace to anyone who would ask him for help. So this is, this is like a prayer. I want to challenge you, whatever you face, even today, even this week, you can ask a simple prayer like this, God, keep me safe. 
When you're on your way into a conversation that you know you're going to find awkward and you're like, man, I know that anger thing bubbles up on the inside of me and I know this conversation could go there and I know I don't want to say some of the things I feel like saying, here's a good prayer for you. God, keep me safe. When you're going into like an anxious or intimidating situation, you know what's amazing about anxiety is it's unique. Some of the things that make you anxious don't make me anxious at all and vice versa. There's some things to you you're like, getting on a plane. And someone else is like, oh, getting on a plane. Right? Anxiety, it's like specific. It's subjective. It's, it's personalized. Whatever that thing is for you, here's a great thing for you to ask. God, keep me safe. Man, when, when, when you're trying to like raise uh, your family and you're thinking about all the things that could come against your family, all the hardships, all the struggles. I hear people all the time, like, it's so hard to bring kids into the world the way it is. It's so messed up. It's so difficult. Here's a, a prayer you can pray. God, keep me safe. When you're trying to make decisions and you feel like there has to be a right and a wrong answer to this one, I just don't know which one is which. Have you ever been there? Like, it feels like a black and white question or, 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 or proposition, but both look pretty gray right now. Here's a prayer to pray. God, keep me safe. When you find yourself stepping out of your comfort zone, is it also subjective? We all have a comfort zone that's unique to us. But you get stretched a little bit out of your comfort zone and obedience. Like, oh, this is a risk. This is a crazy, oh, God, keep me safe. It's a great prayer to pray. When you feel like God's nudging your heart, like, hey, to be generous, you're like, but if I'm generous, I'm going to have less money. I know the principles of Scripture would say that if, I, if I'm a blessing to others, that I will in turn be blessed. But it's so scary. God! Keep me safe. When you're stepping out in anything, this is something you can ask. Like today, before the day is done, pray this prayer. Tomorrow, when you face something difficult, pray this prayer. Next week, when you find yourself in an intimidated situation, you can ask God this simple prayer. That is what prayer sounds like. Don't be deceived. Prayer, though often is spoken in different language or eloquence, it, it, it's heard from God through authenticity. God hears authentic prayers. God, God is affectionate towards simple, authentic, real, raw prayers. I don't know what situation David was in, but he felt very confident that he, he could ask God to keep him safe. I want you to know God's got his attention on you. You can be very confident in any day, in any time, in any situation. You pray this prayer, God's listening. He's willing and he's able to respond. So first of all is asking. First A, asking. Second A, come on, this is so simple. This is like, I'm I'm helping you memorize. If there was an exam, I already got the alliteration built in. You'd be ready for the multiple choice. You'd have this down. The thing is that in life, the exam doesn't come on a Scantron. It comes in decision-making form, right? It comes in actually navigating through stuff. So I'm trying to help you remember this in a really simple format. There's more advantage to worship than you thought. There's actually more advantage to worship. It's not a responsibility. It's not as though God's kind of sitting with his arms crossed in heaven, and then after you worship, he's like, okay, they're not so bad. No, I guess I'll think... like. Like, that's not the advantage, as though God's angry with you, and then he's a little bit happier with you. The advantage is so much greater than that. So first is asking. Second is affirming. Affirming. Look, look at what David does. His attitude, really quickly, like before the sentence even closes, or the verse even closes, he says, hey, keep me safe, God. And then he begins to affirm who God is. 
When you find yourself in need, when you're asking God a need, I want you to really quickly build within your mind this this trigger that goes off where you're like, if I'm asking God for a need, I need to remind myself who he is, that he's able. So he says, first of all, God, in you I take refuge. Like you're my safe place. You're powerful. A refuge is responsive. A refuge is needed when, when you're in danger, right? My, my kids like to play all sorts of games, but every game ultimately turns into tag. Doesn't matter what the game starts as, like whether it's, it starts as like a sport or a board game, eventually all games turn into tag. All games turn into like, you're it, right? Have you been there before? It's amazing to watch the kids so excited when they are at freedom to, to be the one who is it. Man, they're like, oh, man, my options are ev-. And in our family, options are everywhere. There's always someone slower than you in our household. It's amazing. They're like, options are everywhere to tag someone. When you're it and you feel like, man, I get to make some decisions right now, you feel really empowered. But the moment someone else is it, man, you're in danger, right? And, and I watch my kids, they do this. It's a terrible way to play tag, but a good way to do life. That, that as soon as they're not it, they're like, time out, time out. And, and it's short and like saying timeouts too long. So they're just like, T, 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 T. And they're like, no, Titus, Titus. I said T. Like, you can't tag me right now because I'm on timeout. I'm in a safe place. Do you have like safe zones when you play tag? I want you to know when you feel empowered, God is so close that at any point in time, you can affirm this. He's your refuge. You can actually just hide yourself in God. Oh, T, timeout. He's your safe place. He's powerful. Whatever you find yourself against, God is there. Your ever-present help in times of trouble. He's a refuge. He's a, it's crazy. He's a refuge that you actually bring with you. Like he, he goes on this crazy journey of life with you. Even when you make mistakes, God is near. Even when you fail and falter, God is close enough that he's only a word away. So he's, he begins to affirm. He's like, keep me safe, God, because you're my, you're my refuge. You're my safe place. Then he says this, number two, he goes this, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I love how he personalizes it. He's like, God is God, but he's not just God of the masses. He's mine. He's mine. Do you know that, that, that Jesus, he, he certainly is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, but he's also your friend. He's also extended personal invitation for relationship with you. And so he's like, I, I'm just like, in, I'm in a worship service here right now. Like some of you, maybe you entered today. You're like, I need to get some worship in because I am in some chaos. And what you're doing essentially is, is asking God, keep me safe. I'm in chaos right now. And as you worship, God is powerful. He's big. And not only is he big, but he's personal. It would be possible to sometimes think of God as this big refuge as like an impersonal structure, an impersonal object as like he was a tower or a, or a fortress. And David uses terms like that sometimes. He's like, a mighty fortress is our God. It's like, man, a fortress is not very personal. But then he says this, I said to the Lord, you're mine. You're mine. Love that in the Bible. It says, I am yours and you are mine. God's personal. He knows the intimate details of the situation you find yourself in. The thing that feels unsafe, God knows everything about, and he's ready to respond. And then he says this, not only are you my refuge, not only are you my Lord, he says this, apart from you, I have no good thing. 
Sorry, I thought that was more exciting. I was really excited about that. Apart from God, we have no good thing. Like God's a blesser. God's a giver. God's generous. And he puts it in other terms. He says this, Lord, you alone are my portion. You are my cup. In other words, what he's saying is like, you're my choice. Like if I was at a buffet line, you are what I'm saving room for on my plate. How many buffet people know what I'm talking about? You get to a buffet line, they tempt you. They put a whole bunch of bread at the front. Why? Because bread fills your plate. It looks good, but it fills your plate. You can't get any of the good stuff. You need to You need to not be a rookie anymore. You grab the bread and you hold it under your plate, okay? <laughs> bread in hand, under the plate. And your plate's still empty for all the good stuff. And then they, they tempt you with a whole bunch of random combinations of the exact same ingredients. Just the salads, right? Like, this is salad with mayonnaise and noodle. This is noodle with salad and mayonnaise. This is some mayonnaise with noodles and salads mixed in. And people get enamored by the color. Don't be, don't be, don't be tricked by the color. And they start, you know, filling up their plate. And then this thing gets in. I should take some of everything. So you got a pile of bread on and a whole bunch of noodles, mayonnaise, and salad. There's nothing left for the good stuff. I'm telling you, you got to get this figured out. There is something waiting. It's always waiting at the end of the table and being cut by, with a knife, right? With a guy wearing a hat. Like, that's the stuff you want. That's the good stuff. And so here what David is saying is that, God, you are my choice. You are, if I could choose anything in the world, you're what I'm choosing. If I could have a portion of anything, you are what I have developed a craving for. You are the thing. Like, you are what makes the meal. He says this, the boundary lines, my inheritance has fallen in a good place. I told you, David was the youngest of seven sons. In that culture, the amount of inheritance that would go to the first, two-thirds of everything the father had goes to the oldest son. The last third gets split up from top to bottom. David would have had literally no inheritance left by the time it made it to him. So much so that when, when Samuel came to his house and said, Jesse, I think one of your sons is going to be king. He said, whoa, I've got six to choose from. He forgot about David. I just want to say that, that Jesse had not made room in his will for David. He didn't even think of bringing him to the party. But David recognized, you know what? There's actually an inheritance for me that God has made a way for. And he it's not what I've earned. It's not what I've deserved. It's not because of the way I was born. It's actually because I'm on the mind of God. And it says this, like if, if they were casting lots, flipping a coin, drawing straws, I just know this, God's on my side. I'm good. God's on my side. He has made a place for me. In fact, Jesus put it this way. I'm going to go ahead into heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my house, there's many rooms. And he's making an inheritance for you and I. So David, when he's asking for help, he then transitions into affirming, God, you're powerful and you're personal and you provide for all my needs. You're on my side. Man, when I've needed you, I've just found safety in you. When, when, I, when I even haven't deserved it, you've drawn near to me. You're my Lord. And, and I, I found that you're my favorite. You're my choice. You're my portion. Nothing else satisfies the way you do. And then he says this, God, you're also my counselor. You make sense of things. I think sometimes what we need the most safety from is our own thinking. You with me? Our own thinking. So, like you are giving me instruction. He says, even at night, even at night, God's putting my thoughts together. That's crazy. That means God is with you day and night. When the night falls on your day and you feel all alone and at your deepest, darkest hour and there's nothing left to distract you and so you're stuck alone with your own thoughts, even there God is with you. And, and, and the, the attitude he has towards you is one instructing you into health and safety. 
Not one where he's pointing out all your flaws. And so he affirms this. With God at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Like, do you see see this? He's going, God, keep me safe. Yeah, you're powerful. You're for me. You're blessing me. You're counseling me. Oh, I am safe. I am unshakable. I am not alone. I'm in a good place. In any situation you find yourself in, when you're asking God, begin to remember who he is towards you, and you find, oh, I cannot be shaken. Come what may. And things that require wisdom, God is my wisdom. Things that require provision, God's providing for me for all my needs according to his wisdom in glory, in Christ Jesus. Oh, when, when you need a safe place because everyone else feels as though they're against you, God will never leave you or forsake you. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's on your side and he is your Lord. Asking, affirming. God, keep me safe. I cannot be shaken. I love the conclusion. It only takes him eight verses. My prayers sometimes take a little longer. But on a good day, I get here. On a good day, I get here. I'm like, so stressed out about this meeting I'm about to go into. I just don't want to blow it. I just don't want to perform poorly because if I perform poorly, then then it's going to affect my income. And if my income is affected, it's going to affect my kids. And my kids are affected. You go there. God, keep me safe. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've been, oh, yeah, you've been good to me. That's what worship does. Oh, yeah. I can't be shaken. I can even have a bad meeting. I'm going to be okay. God's on my side. Then third A, as the team comes back, let me tell you this really quickly, is we actually need to apply it to our lives. This is not just a, you know, fake it till you make it, make a statement. This is not like, well, I'm feeling terrible, but I cannot be shaken. Still feel terrible. This actually requires some application. Check out what David says next. With this I close, and then we're going to do just this and apply it to our lives. He says this, therefore. I love the word therefore. When you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. This is the now here's what you do about it. This is what the application is. He goes, when I need God to make me safe, I remember who he is. I conclude this affirmation. I am already safe. I am already in a good place. Therefore, here's what I'm going to do. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. And even my body will rest secure. I want you to notice this. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. What you invest inside your heart actually comes out of your mouth. What you put inside your heart will come out of your mouth. What you put inside your heart will come out of your mouth. What you put inside your heart will come out of your mouth. So what's coming out of your mouth is what's in your heart. And when you find yourself in stress and you go, oh, that wasn't me. You know me. No, no, it actually was you. That is what's inside of your heart. Now, I don't, mean, I don't say that to condemn you, but, but the, like what comes out of your mouth, was, it got in there somehow. Jesus says out of the fullness and overflow of your heart, your mouth talks, it's, it speaks. Like, like in this can of Coke, there's something on the inside of this can of Coke, right? And, and like there's two ways to get something out of this can. One is like the choice you make. And sometimes we, we're in a situation where we can choose. We can choose to say the words we want to say. You know, we can choose our words wisely. But the other, the other way to get something out of this is just pressure, right? And under pressure, what's inside will come out. Under pressure, maybe this week you found yourself speaking doubt. 
Perhaps you found yourself gossiping. Perhaps you found yourself speaking lies. Perhaps you're like your first go-to is just to lie to get yourself out of something. Perhaps it's just fear. Like, where did that come from? You know that's not me. It's actually what's inside your heart. David says this, worship, the application of worship, putting gladness on the inside of my heart, worshiping God for who he is, actually will affect what comes out of my mouth. And you know what's crazy about that? What comes out of your mouth actually shapes your perspective. The Bible says this, that there's power in your mouth for life or death. You can speak life into a situation or death into a situation. You can say, whoo, God is for me. I don't know how he's going to do it, but there's a miracle coming. Or you can say, oh, this is just going to go terrible. And you almost always find what you speak. You chase your own words. So you put something in your heart, it comes out of your mouth, and then you chase after it. He says this, because my heart is glad, my mouth rejoices, and because my mouth rejoices Oh, my body is at rest. Man, can everyone just kind of relax your shoulders for a sec? Yeah, some of you weren't very good at it, were you? Because you're so tense. You begin to relax, you're like, whoa, how has this become my normal? <laughs> like, where did my neck go? <laughs> just relax for a second. Ease. Calm. And some of you are like, oh, I got a kink to work out now. Because we've grown accustomed to protecting ourselves. But God's your refuge. So be at ease. I'm an associate I need to provide for myself. No, 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 no. He's, he's your portion. Inheritance is falling in a good place for you. It's secure. But I don't know if I belong. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's not just the Lord. Like an old man with a white beard who's pointing his finger at you. Oh, he's my Lord. He he knows me. He's my friend. I don't know what to do next, but... Oh, if I just quiet myself for a bit, even at night, like God will instruct me. He's my counselor. Here's the application. You got to get that on the inside of your heart. And what will happen is in times of pressure, like imagine if I was like, ooh, I could use some chocolate milk right now, and I open this can of Coke expecting to get chocolate milk out of it. It'd be crazy. Right, like imagine if it's like, oh man, my car's a little low on oil. I don't have AAA, so I can't call them. But I got this. This should work. No, no, it doesn't because there's Coca-Cola in here. What you put in your heart is what comes out, right? What you put in this will come out under pressure. You find yourself in pressure situations when you feel that little trigger moment like, God, keep me safe. I want to encourage you to begin to affirm who he is, what he's already done. He's your refuge. He's your Lord. He's your inheritance. He blesses. He's your counselor. Oh, I can't be shaken. I'm going to get through this. And as you get some gladness on the inside of your heart, begin to worship. And as you begin to worship, worship will frame your perspective. And he ends up saying this, oh, man, God is leading me into the path of life. I'm finding joy in the midst of what I'm going through. I thought I needed safety. In the end, I just find myself joyful. I'm joyful in transition. Like I'm joyful in between jobs. And I'm joyful at the end of the month when my my paycheck's running out. And I'm joyful going into awkward conversations and joyful coming out of them because God is my my portion. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.